0: back to another episode of 25 stories that made MLS I am your host officially Nital Raman congratulations thanks man i'm i'm so glad we figured that out yeah I, re- I, I i really am um and you know as Wait, always Does well, that
1: make me like the guest each time I
0: think you're the special guest every single episode. I'm the special guest every episode. You are the special guest every episode. You are a guest in this house. That's true. So I think it tracks. Okay. All right. Well, this is episode three. Previously, uh, we've talked about Alan Rothenberg and how pivotal he was for the very beginning of MLS. We've also talked about episode two, which was Frasier and his lawsuit. Um, so what are we
1: talking about today? Today, uh, we're talking about, um, how MLS got its first home. I mean, it's a really important story.
0: Okay. First home meaning, uh, soccer specific stadium.
1: Yeah, that's right. Like, uh, the first place that MLS can say that it's its own. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The story starts actually way back in the
0: sixties, the early sixties.
1: Okay. And it starts with a man named Lamar Hunt.
0: Which we're familiar. Lamar Hunt, open cup.
1: Yep. 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 Um, I think, uh, I think fans today, uh, call him Uncle Lamar for a good reason. Uncle Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Lamar for a good reason. But back in, back in the sixties, you know, Lamar Hunt, uh, really was passionate about sports and specifically at that time, football. Um, American football. American football. Yeah. Good, good, uh, clarification. The grid. You know, I didn't like that
0: just now. Yeah. We knew, we all knew what you were talking about. Yeah, that's right.
1: Um, and... But Lamar Hunt actually grew up in Texas. Grew up in a wealthy family. Actually, the son of an oil tycoon. Mm-hmm. Um, played, so that's mad
0: money. Yeah,
1: had 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 money growing up for sure, and inherited money. Played football like um, uh, in college. wasn't too great at it, but loved the sport. Um, and. So he, instead of going into like, I guess, traditional business or finding another way of doing business, his passion was bringing kind of sports to life to other people. Okay. Um, and so he really wanted to buy an NFL
0: team. And I'm sure that would have been a lot of money.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know how big the NFL was in um, in the early 60s. I, I think it was popular, but like not nearly as popular as it, as it is today. But the NFL didn't really want to overexpand. Apparently, they had more foresight than NASL did. Um, but they didn't want to overexpand, so they wouldn't sell Lamar a team.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like uh, NFL got big. I don't know. I'm taking a guess here, people. I'm going to say, like, Terry Bradshaw years is when, like, NFL was, like, the thing.
1: Yeah, that, that tracks. Does I that think, track? I think it, it grew with... Uh,
0: Immaculate uh, reception? Or, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I think sure. 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 Uh I think it it, tra- it it really grew up with uh when TV became popular. Sure. Um and so they wouldn't sell him a team uh and but instead so he's like, "You know what? I'm just going to make my own league." Uh so him and a couple other people started their own league called the American Football League and he started his own team called the uh Dallas Texans. And it does oh. pretty well. Okay. Uh, Not to be confused with the Houston Texans. Right. The Dallas Texans. And it does pretty well. It it gets people. NFL doesn't really like this. They don't like having a competitive league. Right. They don't like having competitive owners with money that can bankroll it. So they open up their own Dallas team called the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. to, To compete with them directly head to head. And while the Texans were doing well, they were starting to lose kind of people in attendance. And, um, and uh, Lamar Hunt quickly realized, like, you know, even though I'm from Texas, you know, the city of Dallas isn't big enough right now to support two NFL teams. So he's looking to move the team. And he eventually moves it to Kansas City. And now Kansas City might seem like a weird choice. It's like it's not in Texas. But one of the main reasons he moves it to Kansas City is because the mayor at the time promised that they could get at least 25,000 people per game into the stadium. And so Lamar Hunt moved it there because he basically felt like he had a guarantee, right? Um, so he moves the Dallas Texans to Kansas City, calls it the Kansas City Chiefs, which is, it, you know, it today.
0: You know, okay. So Lamar Hunt is responsible for two NFL teams, really sort of yeah if yeah, you think no, about it. De- not sort of <laughs> definitely they they had to come up with the cowboys to compete with him yeah is what you're telling me which is yeah. america's football team they say yes exactly and, and then now we're talking about the chiefs in Kansas City
1: yeah and and for this story purposes like the reason the key takeaway here is that he he understood the value of of butts in the stadium yeah and like that's the reason why he moved it to Kansas City because the model then was like, how many people can you get into the stadium? Mm-hmm. Um, and it stayed there. Now, not related to the story, but other fun facts. He also led the AFL-NFL merger. They started playing each other. Um, th- oh, yeah. And then uh, that was called the Super Bowl, which I think he coined. He coined that term. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Um, don't hold me to that, but I think I'm pretty sure he coined that term.
0: Well, I don't think anyone will. <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's not it's out of the realm of possibility. You know? Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy definitely inherited money, but his impact in sports is huge. But, all right, let's fast forward a few more years. Sure. He has the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that was in 1964, 65. Um, a few years later, he goes to England with his wife in 1966 to see the World Cup. Loves it. Like, falls in love with the game proceeds to go to the next is 66 eleven. Sixty six
0: the one that England won? Sixty six is the
1: one and only.
0: That England won. Yes, that's right. Okay, so that's his first World Cup Yeah. Then he gets it's... a witness. That's gotta be huge. You yeah I mean? if you yeah.
1: Falls in love with it, right? Goes to every single World Cup after that for eleven World Cups. Loves the game and like just like he had with football, he loved the game so much that he wanted to bring it and support it and promote it and own a team. Um in uh in the u.s so he starts his own team uh called the dallas tornado in 1967 and he holds on to it until the team folds in 1981 it was part of nasl Mm -hmm. um and so he always loves the game folds in 1981 fast forward to 1996 as we talked about with alan rothenberg He uh, got connected, and he realized there's an opportunity to be an original investor in Major League Soccer. So he jumps in on it. And as we talked about, just because you're an investor doesn't mean that you only own one club. Yep. You can own many clubs because you're owning a piece of MLS. Right. you got to buy into the league. Yes. And so um, MLS, um, what's interesting, so because he has the Kansas City Chiefs, he operates the Kansas City team, um, but he operates a second team. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I go there, let me ask you. I'm gonna list out the cities of the original MLS league, okay, and then tell me which one feels out, out of, of place. place. Yeah, okay. Um, and not not because uh, out of place from like the size of the city. So I'm gonna go New York, L.A., Dallas, okay, def-
0: definitely not those. Yeah.
1: Denver, San Jose, Kansas mm-hmm. City, mm-hmm. Boston slash New England, D.C., Tampa Bay, Columbus.
0: Well, first of all, at at my my potential expense here, and to my embarrassment, I could not tell you honestly if Kansas City is in Kansas or in Missouri. I think it's in both. It's in both. Yeah. It's in both. So if you ever ask me, which Kansas City are we talking about? I never, never know. But let's just say Columbus. Yeah. Because we don't like Ohio in general. No, we love Ohio. Oh, okay. We love Ohio. No, No, just cracking joke. Yeah, Columbus
1: is the one that feels like a little bit smaller than the other cities, right? Sure. And the reason why um, Columbus was chosen was similar to the reason why Lamar Hunt kind of moved the Dallas Texans to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. It's because he realized the value of kind of guaranteed people to watch the game. Yeah, and And this
0: is yeah, and he's talking specifically about attendance at stadiums. Exactly. Live sports.
1: Live sports. And and one of the reasons why Columbus got a team um, is because they actually did a uh, drive of season ticket deposits to mm-hmm. showcase that they can support a team before the announcements. What do them. you mean a drive? So they partnered with Kroger Supermarkets. Familiar. Yeah, we live in Atlanta. Kroger's everywhere.
0: <laughs> we have a special kind of Kroger. That's true. Here.
1: Yeah. If you're from Atlanta, you know what he's talking about. Yep. Um, and the the advertisement, and actually I can show you a picture of the advertisement. It's pretty cool, um, was peop- asking people to come into their local Kroger mm-hmm. and deposit $75 for an adult or $35 for uh, a youth ticket for a season ticket deposit. And in exchange, if they did that, they would get $10 off their groceries okay. at Kroger. And the idea was to showcase how many season ticket deposits they could get in order to get the actual team to come to Columbus. And it worked. They got 11,000 season ticket deposits. And that's one of the main reasons Lamar Hunt was like, let me operate a team in Columbus. Same exact reason why he went to Kansas City with the NFL team. Right. And so they get a team. And just like everywhere, everyone else... Um, they originally play in these giant football stadiums. So we're from uh, New Jersey. You know, the Metro Stars played
0: in Giant Stadium. Yeah, of course. I remember how empty it felt every time we went. Exactly. And uh, even though I loved watching Amada Guevara and a young, young, young Michael Bradley and even a Josie, and, and I, I remember that the, the one big game that we went to was when David Beckham first came around. That's the one where it felt like the stadium... 5-4. 5-4, I think, the the final score.
1: Yeah, it's one of the rare ones where the stadium
0: felt full. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, it just feels like a ghost town. Even though the numbers are probably decent, they're probably good. Yeah. So the Columbus crew back then, they played
1: in um, Ohio Stadium, which is um, the stadium for Ohio State yeah the ohio state sorry the ohio state yeah um and the stadium uh, famously holds 90,000 people right so it's huge uh and they did what i think everyone at that time did which was they close off the lower everything but the lower bowl mm-hmm. and so that area holds 24,000 um but like you said it, it still affects the um the feel it the feel
0: the feel of like spectating uh sport like that yeah, closing off a section is smart, and even a huge stadium like Mercedes Benz for a smaller game, they'll close off the top tier. It's nothing unusual.
1: Yep. Um, so they get the t- they get the team. They're playing there, and before they even you know kick off, Lamar Hunt's already thinking about opening his own stadium because mm-hmm. he, like you said, he understands the value of getting people into a stadium with a live event. He's seen the World Cup. I think he understands the value of. Um, of the actual experience itself, which makes the product better. Um, But he he's also a businessman. So he understands controlling your own revenue, um, makes it a lot more viable financially. All
0: right. I mean, this sounds all great and everything, but like, what is he up against? Cause it sounds like so far it's been Lamar hunt responsible for like through and through a sports guy responsible for two NFL teams. Let's just say that for sure. Uh, and, and, but, but what what are his challenges? What has he got to face? so
1: he he wants to open up a stadium, and so his first proposal, his team's first proposal is this beautiful stadium downtown at a low low cost of two hundred and eighty five million dollars. And at that time, and still unfortunately today, it's very common practice to ask the public to finance it. so mm-hmm. he
0: his biggest barrier at that point was financing. but we have to keep in mind that you're asking the public to finance $285 million for a soccer-specific stadium. Yeah.
1: And now this is
0: after the World Cup in the United States. Yes. So maybe people are interested. But still, this is the first time that we're getting a soccer-specific stadium. So how do these votes turn out?
1: So the way it was going to happen was, um, you know, the local uh, government was pro. um, The same kind of things they were like it's going to open up jobs things like that um, and the way they were going to fund it was by increasing sales tax by half a percentage point point. and like you said because it's increasing sales tax there needs to be a public vote they had a public vote they lost pretty badly like 56 to 44 mm. right and, and while that doesn't sound that bad like if it's a 12 point margin you're never going to win that no. like you're not even close no, 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 no. right so they failed it's not abnormal to fail on the first time. So, but the problem was the next season, nineteen ninety seven, Columbus Crew, um, the attendance drops by twenty percent. The interest is dropping, and this is true across all of MLS. It's not just Columbus Crew, but um, all. But them specifically, attendance losing twenty percent. And like I said, there's a sense of urgency here. You yeah, know, you're the like, novelty's gone. The now. novelty's gone. You want to make. The product better. You want to make the atmosphere better. You need to get more revenues in here so you can invest more into players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and and put on top of that, like Doug Logan, who was the first MLS commissioner at that time, um, announced that like the league was losing money. I think they lost something like thirty or forty million dollars in year one. So they're losing money on top of it. So there's a financial urgency. So they put in their second proposal, and this one's not in Columbus. It's in the in the outskirts. I think in the suburbs of Columbus, in a town called Dublin, and at this time they and saying, not the Dublin, no Dublin,
0: just Dublin,
1: Dublin, Ohio, Dublin, Ohio, and it's a it's a thirty thousand uh, person stadium, uh, and it's right outside Northwest Columbus, and again public funds. They need to do a vote. This mm-hmm. time it's only in Dublin. It goes for vote in nineteen ninety eight, and they lose fifty nine to forty one, and this is that's actually, worse. That's worse. Yeah. Okay. So it's not it's not going right at all. And in 1998, that right when they lose that kind of uh, proposal, the the team loses another
0: 18% in attendance. Which, by the way, now uh, you said 98, correct? Yeah, that's another World Cup that's happening. Yeah, on a so World Cup year. This no. is uh like John Hark's years, right? Yeah. So what's what's is there anything, is there anything to do with that? I
1: mean, like uh, we'll talk about it in a different episode. Sure. Um, but the 98 World Cup was uh, big hopes for MLS in general, and that because. A lot of that team um, was filled with MLS stars, but they had the worst World Cup ever. They yeah. came in last place.
0: Well, I think that's related to what we're talking about now because if that's going on right now, yep. 98, uh, your public opinion might be dropping even more.
1: It drops even more. Interest drops again. It's like now they're down to 12000 per game at the stadium that holds 90000 And the following year... They can't even play in Ohio Stadium anymore because it's going under repair. So they don't even have a home. Like, it's really falling apart. And so they are really feeling the pressure of, like, we need to do something and do something big. And again, Lamar Hunt, um, I think he had a vision in his mind. Um, He does come from money, and necessity is the mother of invention. So as options were coming off the table, the Ohio Expo Center... Mm-hmm. actually had fairgrounds, this giant land that they weren't using at all. And they came forward and said, hey, listen, you, we'll lease you this land, but um, but you have to privately finance the entire stadium. DIY, do it yourself. Do it yourself. Um, and, you know, it, the infrastructure is there. Unlike the Dublin one, you don't have to uh, create roads and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they they open, they, like, they start construction, they do the full stadium in nine months, from August 1998 to my, May 1999, and the full stadium costs a whopping $28.5 million. Didn't you say the original number was 280-something? Yeah, they did it for one-tenth the original... 10%. 10%. I mean, they were paying for paying for it
0: themselves. Out know? of pocket, but still. I mean, jeez. Uh, oil money, huh? Yeah, I mean, but like, <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, he can afford it. He's putting $28.5 million as an investment, but an investment in a league that, honestly, at that point, no one knew who was going to survive. It could have been $28.5 million down the drain. Mm-hmm. But he had this belief. He had a belief that the product is better when the stadium is smaller, and then, you know, financially he can control the revenues. Um, and, you know, it worked out. That following year, 1999, attendance surged by 40%. And went up to over seventeen thousand uh per game. And uh they got over ten thousand season ticket purchases for that as well, which is So tops they, of the they league.
0: pretty much went back near the original numbers for season tickets, that's been restored. Yeah. And you said seventeen thousand for... seventeen and a half thousand.
1: From twelve thousand to seventeen and a half thousand.
0: Yeah, and that's that's decent. Like uh just for for reference point, you know, RBA, Red Bull Arena amazing soccer-specific stadium today. 25,000, right? Yeah. And um, we're talking about 17 and the beginning of, the ML- of of MLS. I mean, that's that's decent, right? That's good numbers. It was huge. I mean,
1: it was revolutionary. Again, it's our first home, and it becomes like the cornerstone of, of the model of MLS moving forward. From there on out, like everyone wanted their own soccer stadium. And the
0: thing is, like by the time MLS started, TV was already a thing. Yes. Right? So... When you watch these games on, if they're televised, you think the other owners and other businessmen are looking at Columbus games happening at a soccer specific stadium, kind of being like, wait a minute. Yeah, it could be better.
1: It could be better than being in a giant cavernous stadium. Right. And, like, again, the finances are better. So, it becomes sort of the blueprint. And, you know, as of recording today, there's 19 so- 19 soccer-specific stadiums. Three more are underway. Yeah. And if you think about not just an MLS, but U.S. soccer history, some of the best moments in
0: U.S. soccer history. Dos Acero.
1: Dos Acero was made in Colum- uh, the Columbus Crew Stadium. It was
0: one of our advantages, go to Columbus in the bitter cold. Yes. And fight it out. It's,
1: it's truly a cornerstone of not just Major League Soccer, but also U.S. soccer in general. Um and if you really think about it, I'm not sure the league would be the same today. I don't even know if the league is around today if Lamar Hunt and the Columbus Crew don't make that
0: stadium. I mean, someone's got to someone's got to create the model. Yeah.
1: Ironically though, um because they built the stadium so fast, it was no frills. Um the it doesn't have some of the amenities that um that you would expect in stadiums like Red Bull Arena have. Right. Like luxury suites and things like that. And so by today's standards, it's a bit outdated. Uh, and because of that, their old owner, um, Anthony Precourt, I don't think anyone will ever call him Uncle Precourt, um, he was trying to move the team. And, yeah, hashtag save the crew. And yeah, and because, partly because of that. And um, and luckily they did find local owners. Um, they did save the crew. And part of that deal was a brand new Columbus Crew Stadium that's going to be underway at at a cost of, if you want to guess, $280 million. All
0: right, back to the original number. Yeah. But that's inflation.
1: Inflation, <laughs> and also I'm sure the new stadium is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Um, but that's how, you know, Major League Soccer got its first home.
0: Yeah, I, and that's amazing. And the thing is, uh, I don't know, I'll make an argument here. I think if, uh, and Yuri said, Yuri said one that I agree with, like... Um, without a soccer specific stadium and, and other, you know, businesses and, and owners and and MLS as a whole, if they didn't have that to look at then and if things continued on the path that they were, like maybe the league would have folded. Um I also think conversely, now that we have so many soccer specific stadiums, now we're actually able to have a non soccer-specific stadium, still be the right thing for a team. And we're talking about something like Atlanta, right? And Seattle. And Seattle, you know, because the the fan base, uh, numbers-wise, it's just so... It's big enough to, like, now you can find the right solution for the club. Yeah, and it feels bigger.
1: It feels Um, bigger. Because you have the people that fill it out. And, you know, I am kind of business-minded. They're also the owners own the stadium. Mm-hmm. So, like, from a financial standpoint, it's th- almost the same as a soccer-specific stadium from a revenue standpoint. They control the revenues, they do all that stuff.
0: Right, so that's really the key there.
1: Yeah, I, both. I think both are right. Both mm-hmm. are the key. I mean, the com- converse to what I just said is is New England and in, in the Patriots' yeah, Foxborough, stadium. yeah. The old, yeah, the Foxborough, or whatever the new stadium is called. The reason why they're there is because the Kraft family owns... The revenue sources it makes sense for them to do it but the the stadium doesn't match
0: right the feel is off
1: the feel is off right yeah. and i think even that now they would say they need a stadium that matches the feel
0: yeah and i think that that matters for fan bases it,
1: the product is a hundred times better when the feel matches yeah right and i think uh that's what you learn uh and it's all thanks for thanks to uncle lamar um and his first foray in getting mls his first home
0: absolutely So that's it. That's uh, story number three in the books. Number three in the books. So, if you'd like to read off your sources as per usual.
1: So the sources that we used today are, there were three main ones. The first one was Columbus Crew SC, A Look Back at Team History. Uh, It was in the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, Second one was Columbus Needs a Place to Call Home, Uh, and that's in the Sun Sentinel. And... The origins of Columbus Crew Stadium, told in photos by the Columbus Monthly. Links,
0: mm. uh, we'll put the links up. And as always, it's the Ohio State University. The Dublin is in Ireland, and the Kansas City is up for debate as to what states. What state it's in? I have no I'm idea. I'm a hundred percent sure we've offended someone. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody out there is offended, and we're sorry. Yep
1: um definitely uh find us wherever you listen to podcasts subscribe and rate
0: us until then see you next time see you next time bye